On this episode, we welcome author Coretta Doctor and former NFL player Roosevelt Potts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Armstrong Williams Show. You know, I we have been wanting for the longest to do um, something on suicide, and it is when people harm themselves with the intent of ending their life and dying as a result. It's just that simple. And I'm so glad that Aaron and Priscilla booked in this segment a conversation about suicide with Coretta Doctor and Roosevelt Potts, a former NFL player. And Miss um, Pro- Doctor is the author, advocate, and survived two attempts on suicide. Why would you want to take your life? Help me understand this, please. You know, it's it's not a, a really easy thing to explain. It's an internal problem that can be fixed. And uh, a lot of the issues in getting it fixed is people being afraid to talk about why and being afraid to talk about the past and the trauma that led them to that decision. So in, in my case, it's hard for me to help you to understand, but what I can do is say sharing my story has helped others with a similar thought process. Stop, pause, get help get treatment and recover. So, is it something that happens, have you had these feelings since childhood? Did something trigger it? Was there a loss? Um, What is it that sometimes we're missing? Because you just did not get to wanting to end your life. A gift that is God given, God gave you, your greatest gift. What triggers this? What feeds it? What waters it? When you don't see, a good outcome to a bad situation. And that's where the treatment comes in. That's where the therapists and the people who are licensed that have studied trauma for years can help you. We're not all equipped with the information or the resources. We think that sometimes, okay, if we're in um, a a bad situation that we don't see how to get out of, we don't understand that there are people trained there are people who know exactly how to tell us, here is where you can start your path to recovery. Where when you're stuck and bogged down, it's not like if you're driving a car and it's snowing and, and the windshield is fogged up. You know you have windshield wipers. You turn them on and it clears it up. It doesn't stop the rain from coming back again. It's the same thought process. When that trauma is there and you don't know how to resolve it, you're going to think that, okay, well, you know what? I'm tired. Sometimes you you fake your lifestyle. You fake your, your persona. You go to work and you function well, and you come home and you're dealing with that trauma. What helps you is when you say to yourself, hmm, I don't want to deal with this too much. I'm living two lives and I'm tired. And that's when that thought process kicks in that life can be better if I'm not in it. Um, Roosevelt, um, you're listening to this. You're a former NFL player. We also just heard about the 30-year-old Miss, former Miss USA who jumped out of those New York skyscrapers and took her life. Does it trigger anything for you? I mean, someone would say you had the best life. You played in the National Football League. But that's just what they see. It's what they don't get to see is what you have to fight with, I guess. Oh yes, that's that's I experienced that in uh, actually in 2016, uh, 2014. I had an incident where uh, I was started the CTE started working on me, and I'm not knowing anything. And I woke up one night and I had 
hurt my wife, you know, uh, cut her one night and, uh, I had to check myself out and uh, find out what was going on with me because things was just messed up. But the whole thing is about it is that, you know, when you're in that entertainment business, as, as you know, coming from something, you always wanted everything that you got. How would somebody have everything that they want and they are so miserable and so not content with everything? Well, I found it out is that uh, you have to go back and find out who you are. Like when football was over for a lot of athletes and stuff, uh, and being in, being what they call famous, uh, you kind of forget it's a fake it's a fake life that you've been 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 working with, and you just you lose yourself inside this 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 situation. And what what I happened to do after I did, I went and got treatment and found out that you know I had issues and everything it was just out of whack. And you know when you're in them high pressure jobs. There's always somebody else that's trying to take their job. They're always looking for the next person. And what I had to do is football was a part of my life, but it wasn't me. And as a young kid, all I wanted to do was not be poor anymore. And I chose that job. But once they put the name famous on me, whatever I did outside of that life, it was it was uh was burying me alive. After that incident, it I just got buried alive. I, I was still I was still here on earth. But nothing worked for me. Everybody was looking at me different, like a domestic violent person. And that was just one bad day out of all the good things that I did in my life. So it is a mental issue. And it's also to go and commit suicide. I sat in my driveway one day, wanted to blow my head off. And I saw this picture where the devil showed me that uh, it was going to be like football. They was talking about how great I was in football, all the good things that I did. But Right when I got ready to pull the trigger, I had a I saw God. He came and told me, like, no, let me show you my image of it. My image of it is it's not gonna be about your football career. It's gonna be about how you work your way all the way up to what you have done, and then they're gonna start talking about all that other stuff. So I put the trigger down and I found out that uh my what I learned when I was young from my grandmother and going to church, I found out my problem was that I had forgot about God and forgetting about God through all that pressure situation of what he had done for me. I just, you know, which I was a preacher at one time too. So I just left it all alone and just wanted to hide and do all that stuff. But he showed me that he had a special thing for me to do. And this is my, you know, since all this stuff happened, this is the first interview I've done in all those years. And it was time for me to do it because I'm watching this stuff and I've experienced it. And I know right now I'm not going to kill myself, but I found a way, I found a way that I think that it could help everybody. And it's just to come back to your senses and know who you are and you're not famous. And you, you know, that's what they call it. And you're, you're just a regular human, just like everybody else. Well, we appreciate you choosing our platform for your first interview. But let me, let me ask you this quickly. Um, so, so, this is the first time you've ever put your hands on your wife. There's never been no incident of domestic violence except that time and nothing following that? Yes, and I didn't even know. I, the, the hardest thing for me when they was giving me eight years and sending me to prison is that I didn't even remember it. I wasn't high. I wasn't drunk. I wasn't nothing. I was just, I just exploded. And it, and it was just, it was chaotic for my whole family. You know what I mean? So my, my wife is a strong woman. She's still been there with me, my kid. And hey, uh, I had, it was shame. Like I said, I felt like I was buried alive because they was talking about me 
and I was still alive. And it was nothing I could do about it because I I had did the act I had did the act, but because I didn't remember, it didn't make no it didn't make no difference. So I had to decide to myself, okay, Roosevelt, just because you don't remember that stuff, you you did it. So I, I called the guy. I came to I, hey, I just went back to the table and said, okay, Lord, what you want to do for me? And I started talking back with Coretta and everything. And she's been knowing me a long time. And uh, and I and I'm and I was just able to come on here and talk about suicide because it's a real thing, especially with with African American people. It's it's starting. To, it's been affecting us for a long time, but now it's affecting everybody else. And now they're trying to do something about it. So let's do something about it. You know, um, suicide has less to do with the color of someone's skin and has to do more with their behavior and the issues that they deal with. Um, you know, Coretta, you know, I, I, I was just, strong, I was shocked about Miss USA, uh, anyone. What do you say to someone right now, in the moment, contemplating suicide, want to end it all, see no way out, like you said, I don't want to deal with it anymore. What do you say to that person now to convince them that life, the best part of life is the unknown and you have no idea what you would have missed had you decided to live? Absolutely. You see, when you know what the problem is, you need to be able to share, share with someone what the issue is. They will help you get to the other side of it. What one one suffers from is not knowing, not understanding. And when you're bogged down with situations, you don't know if it's the pressures of the world, if it's the responsibilities that people are weighing on your shoulder. If you sit down, share that information, and let someone give you some options. Um, it's hard for me to imagine that if I wasn't here to see my grandchildren or to further the lives along of others who are considering suicide, I mean, I went through it twice. And I share that to tell people, you may get down and you may get down again and again and again, but nobody's pressures in the world mean more than the pressure of a child not having her parent around and not only not having the parent, but having the stigma um, forever that the parent chose death over life when they are a part of the parent's life. For me, um, being able to to, to share the truth about suicide. Um, there are books, <laughs> there's tons of papers, there's lots of professional people. But I believe the truth about suicide coming from a person who really thought it through, attempted to carry it through multiple times and still came out with seeing the benefit of getting help, that's where the treatment starts. Well, how, how, were, how old were you when you attempted it the first time? 44. What? You were full grown. And the second time? Um, about six months later. So six I was months later? still 44. Oh, well, I understand six months. Okay. But, um, wow. So let me, let me come back to you, um, Roosevelt. I can tell that you've had a lot of trauma and there's a lot of emotions that are built up listening to you on this Saturday, February the 5th. And you talked about finding something greater than yourself, your faith in God, and how that has sustained you and helped you to see the light. But is there one thing 
that people who are contemplating suicide can do different? Something they could change? Is it alcohol? Is it drugs? Yeah. Is it obsession with something? What is it that they can change to make this pathway more smoother where you have less of a chance of these suicidal thoughts? Well, what, what I came down to, you know, I've experienced the drugs, I've experienced the alcohol. Like I said, this is the one time that I wasn't on none of that stuff. I wasn't on alcohol, I wasn't on drugs. My whole goal, with what God showed me, is that my life don't even belong to me. I mean, how can, you, how can I take my own life when, it's, when I, it don't even belong to me? And he showed me, I mean, I only, I, I'm explaining in that kind of way because I always thought my, my life was my life. But I just realized through going through all this therapy and getting help, and God, and through the spiritual realm, Lord, the Lord told me, like, where I'm at today is only that my work, faith without work is dead. So I worked to do that, but I had faith that this happened. So when I found out that the Lord told me that my life don't belong to me and I can't take it away, and I decided that there, that's why nobody should kill nobody neither. Die should not kill. Well, anyway, it just made it simple for me. I cannot kill myself. That's you know, it. I had to just deal with it. Yeah, you, you know, um, Coretta, you know, you, you, when you think of suicide, you think of young people. You don't necessarily think of someone who's 44 and older. But what, what you're realizing, it has nothing to do with age. <laughs> Coretta? That's true. And um, a lot of times it's because the young people, when they're going through the things that they're going through, they don't realize how traumatic the outcome will be years later. Um, you'll find people that are in their 60s that are seniors that have looked back on their life and are just now able to face some of the things that happened to them. And they're now starting to talk about those things and it's overpowering them. And they're not in a um, position to say, well, you know what, I want to go back and fix these things. They see that suicide is the way out but it doesn't have anything to do with age. You know, I, I want to tell you this. We have conducted many interviews on Skype, and both of you almost look angelic. It's so clean. It's so clear. I don't know if the Lord's trying to tell us something, but it's just so... But we're so appreciative that you will allow yourselves to come on our show today to heal others. Because I'm telling you, um, Roosevelt and Coretta, it takes a lot of courage to do this. Roosevelt for the first time. And you never, what I'm also realizing this is that you never conquer it 100%. Right. Always challenges. You're never out of the woods. But you can say to this year is much better than what it was a year ago. And it's just, it's Amen. a journey, not a destination. And we appreciate, Amen. which you wish you well, and all others who struggle with suicide and contemplating taking their lives. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.